0: I wanted to read just a quick scripture to you from Isaiah 51. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Listen to these words. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. And if you think about what that verse really means, it's talking about, well, in this case, he's talking about, go back through the whole line and see how God has blessed your ancestors and see how God himself always has been your rock. And we who are in Christ Jesus know that he himself is the rock of our salvation. And, but what the scripture is exhorting us to do is it says, if you seek righteousness, by the way, let's stand up together. If we are those who seek righteousness, then then the Bible or God is directing us to direct our eyes in a certain direction. And that's what we came here this morning to do, to look, not just to look around and see who's here. Yeah, we're happy to see everybody. Praise God. And but but to also lift our eyes to a higher place and to look to the rock from which you were hewn. Think about what that means. If you are hewn from the rock, Christ Jesus, that means that there's something of his nature in your nature. That means that we are something else than what we were. And if a rock is stability, then that means that there's a stability that's come into our lives because Christ is in us. And so st- take your stand this morning on the firm place, which is, rock, which is the rock Christ Jesus, and lift up your eyes to the rock from which you are hewn as we seek his face and worship. Amen? Lord, we come to you and we know that many and mighty things have been done by you already. Many things we can point to, Lord, as our salvation being chief among them, O God. And Lord, we have many testimonies since our salvation of of smaller salvations, deliverances and, and answers to prayer and incredible miracles and things that you've done. When we lift up our eyes this morning to the God of our salvation, we welcome you here. Lord, and I pray as your people now, we would glory in your presence. The Rock of our salvation, Christ Jesus, be glorified in this place. In that mighty name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
1: Good morning, Life Bible Church. How's everybody doing? It's good to see everyone. Before I start the message this morning, I just wanted to bring a word from India. He wanted to sincerely thank the church body and everyone for supporting the ministry there and. You have no idea that even if it's a small amount of money that goes to help those pastors that we support in India, maybe one day you can go. Um, It would be a great and tremendous experience. But uh, he wanted me to be sure and tell everyone thank you. Thank you for your love and support. Thank you for most of all for your prayers and your encouragement to him when he was here, and uh, if you were here and heard, I'm sure that the Lord blessed you in a mighty way also, but I wanted to share that with you. Many of you may not know me or my wife very well, so I'll just give you a brief little bit of background information. Uh, I grew up as a preacher's kid. How many preacher's kids we got in here this morning? I want to see your hands. Come on, Caleb. Okay, there's a bunch in the back back row. Okay, I'm going to pray double for you. I was a preacher's kid. My wife was a missionary kid. Uh, her parents were missionaries in Bolivia and Peru for many years, many years. We actually had the opportunity to visit Those places with Pastor Darwin uh, several years ago, it's a very remote place. It gave me a new respect and a love for my father-in-law, what he did by the grace of God. Let me tell you something, there's a price to pay to preach the word of God and to go places where most people never go. But, so we grew up in a very religious atmosphere and we came from a religious background. And uh, my wife was, uh, her career was, she was a, coronary intensive care nurse for her career. She worked in cardiac care uh, most all of her career. That's probably while I'm still alive. (laughs) I praise God for my wife. I also had an occupation that, uh, believe it or not, took place in a very religious atmosphere, I flew airplanes for a living for uh, 30 to 35 years. I started out as a flight instructor, I flew charter and uh, business for about seven years, and then flew for American Airlines and retired early with American Airlines to end my career. <clears throat> but airplanes are a very religious place, believe it or not. I commuted to work, so I saw many People, while I was sitting in the back, they do this, and many of them would do this. Airplanes are very religious places. I'll tell you a true story that actually happened. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, before I flew with American, I was flying a, a group of businessmen from Atlanta to Birmingham in a Learjet. Now, you might not know much about Learjets, but they're very fast. So it's only really about a 15-minute flight. It takes about three hours to, fly, to drive to Birmingham, but it only takes 15 or 20 minutes to fly. Well, we got over to Birmingham, and there was a tremendous thunderstorm right near the airport, and how many of you know thunderstorms are bad for airplanes? Well, before we got on the flight in Atlanta, the businessmen were standing around the airplane, And they were telling dirty jokes and laughing and just hee-hawing it up and down and, you know, saying bad things that I can't repeat here. But they were just laughing and having a big time. And uh, so we, we catered the airplane and it was getting fueled up. We took off, got over to Birmingham, and the weather was so bumpy. Have any of you been in a bumpy airplane before? Sometimes it's bad, but sometimes it's real bad. Well, this was one of those real bad times. And, I mean, the airplane was really taking severe jolts. And so uh, it got real quiet in the back. And as we came into land, it got worse. And the airplane was really being bumped around real hard and violent. And we were trying to land. It got real quiet in the back. And all of a sudden, one of the men broke out singing. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Now, this is after all the dirty jokes and everything. Airplanes are very religious places. So I grew up in uh, and had a career in a very religious atmosphere also. But that's not a message. But anyway. Just wanted to share that with you. Let's say this together because as we go through the message this morning, you'll understand a little more why I'm asking you to do this. Our confessions are important. What we say out of our mouth is extremely important. So I'm going to say this as scripture, and I want you to repeat it out loud with me. I am a doer of the word of God. I am a doer of the word of God. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. The scripture cannot be broken. The scripture cannot be broken. The word of God is my life. The word of God is my life. I will keep it in the middle of my heart. I will keep it in the middle of my heart. I will not let it depart from my eyes. I will not let it depart from my eyes. I will speak the word of God out of my mouth. I will speak the word of God out of my mouth. For it is life unto me and health to all my flesh. For it is life to me and health to all my flesh. So this morning the message is the helm. And the scripture is the power of death and life is in the tongue, Proverbs 18.21. The power of death and life is in the tongue. And uh, I have a slide. Uh, Several years ago... uh, I had a good friend, and I had the opportunity to tour this ship. This is the H.W. George uh, George H.W. Bush 77 Carrier Vessel Navy, CVN. That's what the CVN stands for. How many of you know what the 77, where the numbers on the ships come from? I'll just share that with you briefly so you'll know. That's the 77th aircraft carrier that was built from the inception of aircraft carriers in the United States Navy. That's number 77. And when this ship was in Newport News, Virginia, I had a great privilege to visit this ship. And I spent the whole day walking from the stern to the bow, up through the the forecastle, all through the ship, from the anchor room, and saw the big anchor chain. One big link was almost as big as that drum, maybe even bigger dr- than that. Uh, the width of that drum cage there. Incredibly huge. You cannot even imagine how huge that ship is. It carries 85, maybe a few more, F-18 Hornet fighter jets. Uh, it's an incredible... To the glory of God, it's an incredible military weapon of war. Now, as we go through the message this morning, I want you to realize and kind of picture this ship. Is what each one of you are in your life. It's a, it's a not an insignificant thing. It's a tremendous thing, and uh, if you can go to the next slide, that. That is an actual picture of the wheel. You can hardly see it. The guy on the right had the wheel in his hand. That's the, sh- that's the wheel that steers that rudder in that ship. That's what turns that ship. And I was privileged to visit all those uh, portions of the ship. It was a great privilege. But uh, that's a good example. We're going to read that this morning. Uh, And let's turn to the book of James, uh, chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 3 through 8. We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. And go ahead. Behold also the ships, like the one we just saw, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm. And the helm is the ship's wheel. And the word helm is the entire apparatus for steering a ship, a lever or wheel controlling the rudder of the ship. That's what a helm is. And... Yet those ships are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor or the captain wants it to go. So that's what the helm of that ship is. Well, that's the same thing as your tongue. And let's read further. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of, things, and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and has been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. I want to uh, make this statement, but I found it to be true in my own life. And I'm sure you'll agree with it when you hear. How many of you have ever been affected by something somebody said? Everybody in here. I remember... In the seventh grade, two girls called me a name. That affected me tremendously until I was a middle-aged man. It was destructive. Have you ever been affected like that? The tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. That's the truth. The power of death and life is in the tongue. And and God calls us to tame our tongues, but we can't. That's what that scripture says. It says, you can't tame your tongue. I can't tame my tongue. Who can? Only the Lord. I think that's why the Lord wants our tongues. And that's another whole message in itself. But you cannot tame your tongue because Scripture says you can't. And I know that's true. And so as we go through this message, I want to encourage each one of us in this place to listen to the Word of God. And if God brings conviction to you about your tongue, then like we made the confession earlier, I'm a doer of the Word of God. Let's be doers of the Word of God, not just hearers. Um, I know that uh, many times in our lives we speak things unadvisedly or flippantly or maybe not without thinking, without really paying attention to what we say. But that's a very dangerous way to live because Jesus had something to say about our tongues and about our words and Jesus said that every idle word that we speak we're going to give an account of in the day of judgment but i want to back up just a minute and say this about you know we're created in the image of God and how did God create the heavens and the earth how did God create everything And God spoke, says, and God said, and God said, and God said, let there be light. He spoke. He spoke everything into existence. And we are created in his image, and there's something in us, that same power is in our tongues, in our mouths. And so when we speak, we have power. Uh, When Pastor Joel gets up here and says, Everybody come on in and take a seat. Guess what? Everybody comes in and takes a seat. You don't think of that as being a, a power, but it is. Everybody follows that instruction that came from his mouth. And so that's very important to know that we have power in the words that we speak. And God wants to use those our tongues for good and for forces of edification and building up and blessing, and not destruction, not tearing down, because you can destroy with your tongue as well as build up. And uh, God spoke everything to existence, and we also have a power in our tongue. The power of death and life is in our tongue. And in Matthew twelve thirty six, Jesus said, Every idle word that you speak, you're going to give an account of in the day of judgment. That's a very sobering scripture. And the very next verse, Matthew twelve thirty seven, Jesus says this. Now, this is why the helm of your life, your tongue, that steers that huge ship, which is you, your life and your destiny is going to be settled by what you say, what you speak out of your mouth. Because Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty seven, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So that's very important to know that uh, our words are going to settle our destiny. The, the things that happen in your life for good or, or evil are going to be determined by what comes out of your mouth. Now I wanted to uh, the main scripture I wanted to talk about this morning is in the book of numbers, and this is a story. I got it, Pastor. Thank you. Numbers chapter 14. This is a story. Now God, you got to understand that God had already promised the children of Israel, the land that He promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as an inheritance forever. And God had told them that it's your land. I've given it to you. And so when they got, they left Egypt and God delivered them with a mighty hand out of the land of Egypt. And they had seen signs and wonders and miracles as God delivered them out of the land of Egypt. And then when they got close to the promised land. God told Moses to send 12 spies into the land to spy the land, to search it out. And so in chapter 13, the spies are sent into the land of Canaan and they, they spent 40 days, a month and 10 days searching and spying out the land. So, God didn't tell them to spy the land and uh, come back and do what they did. That's not what God told them. He just told them to go look at the land, see what was there, and bring back a very official report of what's there, but not to tell us what they're, they were thinking or what came through their mind when they were searching the land out. And so they came back and you know what they brought of the fruit of the land they brought a cluster of grapes that it took two men to carry the cluster of grapes on a staff between them it was such a big cluster of grapes and they brought figs and pomegranates back and the and they came back and they said yeah the land's full of milk and honey and We brought all this fruit back, and look at this tremendous cluster of grapes. I don't know if you've ever seen a cluster of grapes that big, but that's pretty big to uh, carry a cluster that huge between two men. But uh, they came back, and then they brought back a report, and they said, yes, the land's flowing with milk and honey, but... There were giants in the land. The cities were walled up, and they brought up an evil report, and uh, they saw the inhabitants. They were big men and giants in the land, and the cities were walled up to heaven, and they were very uh, disturbed, and they said, we cannot take the land. It uh, The people are too strong for us, and the cities are walled up to heaven. We're... We're not able to do it. But Caleb stilled them, and he said, no, we can do it. God's with us. Let's go up at once and conquer the land. And so, but their words, what they spoke, what they said to the people stirred the people up. And you know what? Many times what we say stirs people up. What you say to your neighbors, what you say to your friends, what you say to a congregation or what you say to a group of people can stir them up. The power of death and life is in the tongue. That helm that steers the the ship of your life is very powerful. And so God wants us to really pay attention to what we say because what we say is what we're going to get. And uh, so what happened well, they made all the people fear. And you know what? You can bring fear on somebody by just a reaction and saying something uh, to to in- give people fear. So it's very important to be careful not to instill fear into people and to uh, not say things that, that uh, cause people to fear. And again, I, as I flew airplanes for a living, I was very conscious about how many people are afraid of airplanes and afraid of flying. <clears throat> Is that true? And uh, I mean, I had guys I had people getting on the airplane, and sometimes I'd stand uh, at the front of the cockpit door and I would greet people as they came in and and I I had people and I could see the fright in them. And I even had one woman come up to me and she grabbed me and she said, are you okay? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm fine. I said, are you okay? <laughs> and I said, let me see your knuckles. <laughs> I said, they look pretty white to me. I said, you're in good hands. So <clears throat> so you, you got to remember that fear is opposite of faith. And one thing that Satan wants to do is to instill fear in all of us. If he can get you to fear, he can get you to have no faith because fear is the opposite of faith. And God wants us to have faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Is that right? And so, The best thing that we can speak out of our mouths is the Word of God because the Word of God is alive, and God's put His words in our mouths over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, and to build and to plant. So let's be builders and planters with our mouths and what we say to other people. So those spies came back, ten of them. And they gave an evil report. They stirred up the people. The people got very afraid. And then listen to what they said in chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. They were crying. And all the children of Israel murmured. Now let me say this to you about murmuring. God doesn't like murmuring. Murmuring is complaining. Complaining. How many of you have ever complained? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Susan raised her hand, and she raised two hands. We've all complained. You know what? Com- God doesn't like complaining, and we're gonna we're gonna read it here. But we complain. We complain about it, a lot of things, <clears throat> and I know uh, God wants us to thank Him for what we have. But many times we complain about things that we shouldn't be complaining about because we are so blessed. We are so blessed. You are so blessed. The children of Israel were so blessed, they just didn't realize it. And uh, Almighty God had just delivered them out of bondage and slavery in a miraculous way. And three days later, they got on the other side and they started complaining about no water. God had just stood water on both sides as a huge wall so they could walk 11 miles across the Red Sea. And it's almost like they didn't even remember it. And they forgot and they started complaining. And then when the 12 spies came back and 10 of them gave an evil report, they started complaining and crying again. And look at what verse 2 says. Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. That's a terrible thing to say. Oh, wish we had died in Egypt and we, we didn't come out here in the wilderness. Or would God that we had died in this wilderness. And why has God brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children would be a prey? Wouldn't it not be better for us to return unto Egypt? And they said to one another, now listen to what they said, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Now let me say this to all of us. You remember the armor of God in Ephesians 6? We're not going to turn there and look at it, but the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's all armor, defensive armor. But it's all for the front side of us, the shield of faith. There's no armor for your back. And there's something that God requires of all of us. Don't ever turn back. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. You cannot turn back as a Christian, Never. God doesn't want quitters, and you're not a quitter. We're overcomers. Is that right? God wants us to be overcomers, and He wants us to say we're an overcomer, not just think it. Speak it out of your mouth. I'm an overcomer. There'll be a time and a situation in your life, I promise you, you're going to have to start speaking the Word of God, or something bad's going to happen to you. I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't spoken the Word of God many times over a situation, over a circumstance over a airplane emergency, over many things in my life, if I had not spoken the Word of God, I would not be here today. So the Word of God is alive, it's forever settled in heaven. Uh, Jesus said, the Scriptures cannot be broken. That's That's a profound and powerful statement. So... The Word of God is forever settled in heaven. And heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of God will abide forever. The Word of God is alive, and it's living, and it is the sword of the Spirit. That's your only weapon. That's your only offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And when you speak it out of your mouth mixed with faith, You'll see things change in your life. You'll see miracles happen if you speak it mixed with faith. So these spies came back and they gave an evil report. they made the people fear and and the people said these amazing things, which you say, "Well, I don't think I'd have said that. Well, we probably would have because we were no, we're no different than they they are or we'." And so they said, let's go back to Egypt. You're not going back to Egypt. Don't go back to Egypt. My wife and I tried that one time. We grew up in a very religious homes and all our lives. And, you know, when you, when you go to church all your life and you're, you're at church, every time the doors are open, like Caleb and Maddie and, Mia and Charlotte—they're here all the time. You—you you tend to take it for granted, and it becomes a routine, if I can use that word. But don't let it be, because when my wife and I uh, got married and and we decided and I'm not going to go into great detail about it, but I'm not going to give a testimony today, but I told my wife one day, I said, you know what I'm reading right here in this book is not what's happening in my life, and it's not what's happening in my church. And, and I told her, I said, you know what, I'm not going to play church anymore. And we, we stopped. We stopped going to church for quite a while. Never set foot in a church for a long time not even on Easter and Christmas, which a lot of non-believers go to church on Easter and Christmas, but we didn't. But see, I was ignorant. I did not know, and this is not on the slides, but you can look it up. Jeremiah 17.5 says this. I'm quoting the scripture. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man, People say, God doesn't curse anybody. Well, that's, I want to say respectfully to you, you're wrong. Go look up Proverbs 3.33. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesses the habitation of the just. But Jeremiah 17.5 says this, thus saith the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man, who makes flesh his arm, in other words, depends on his own strength, his own intellect, his own money, his own efforts his own abilities. Cursed is the man who trusts in man, makes flesh his arm, and whose heart departs from the Lord. And that's what we've done. And I want to tell you that our lives, for that period of time, until the Lord, by his mercy and grace, brought us back to himself, our lives became a living hell on earth. And I don't have time to tell you now all the bad things that happened to us. But we came under a curse pronounced by God because we're departed. We we wanted to go back to Egypt just like these people did. But praise God by his mercy and grace, he brought us back to himself. But it's true, you can never go back to Egypt. Don't even try. So make up your mind today. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to continue in the word. Jesus said, if you continue and there are many, many scriptures that talk about continuing in the word of God, continuing in your faith and not stopping, not giving up. And, uh, remember we're in a battle. You're in a battle, a wrestling match for your life, for your soul. And, uh, you can't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop. And, But see, you'll give up. You will give up if you are depending on your own flesh, if you are depending on your own abilities, if you are depending on your own efforts, because you know you'll fail. Is that right? I think it is. And, uh, you know, I have Sam and Megan, my children, were both in the Marine Corps or in the Marine Corps. They're still in the Marine Corps. And, of course, the Marine Corps motto is always faithful, semper fidelis. That's really a Christian motto. That's really a Christian motto, be faithful to the Lord and to his word. Megan and Sam were both officers. And when they went in the Marine Corps, I had been in the service already, and I knew somewhat that they would have to expect when they went through training. And when they went through officer candidate school, I knew it was going to be very hard. And to the glory of God, they both passed miraculously. And, uh, but it was no easy program. But I told them both when they went in, I said, just do not quit. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't throw up your hands and say, I'm done. I can't take this. Don't do that. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Isn't that what God wants us to do? I think so. I think he wants us to continue. The scripture says, through much tribulation, we enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus promised us. In the world you shall, these are the words of Jesus, you shall have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And so, and greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So if we're depending on our own flesh, we are going to fail. We're all going to fall. We're all going to give up and throw up our hands and quit like the children of Israel wanted to do. Let's go back to Egypt. You can't do that. Don't do it. Don't even think about it. Because you'll come under a curse pronounced by God, that that I can give. I'm a living testimony to it, and I just praise God by His glory and and His grace and His mercy in my life and my wife's life that we're still here. That's the truth. So, of course, this disturbed Moses terribly. That now they wanted to. They talked about stoning Moses and they're going to vote another captain and go back to Egypt. And so there were only two men, Joshua and Caleb, and they said, no, let us go up at once and conquer the land, for we're well well able to do it. Are you well able to conquer the land? Not in your own efforts, not in your own flesh, and not in your own initiative or your own efforts. But in the name of the Lord, in his authority, And resting and relying on his word and his promises and claiming them and holding on to them. You will overcome, and I will overcome. Because we overcome, according to the book of Revelation, by the blood of the Lamb. And that's been done, hasn't it? That's already been done. By the blood of the Lamb and the word. Of our testimony, what comes out of your mouth, that's how you're going to overcome. So that's what you got to do. Speak the word of God and speak it with faith, believe in it. And let me ask you a question. Are we supposed to believe first or are we supposed to see first? You believe first and then you'll see. When God created the heavens and the earth and God said, let there be light. And then it says, and God saw, and God said, and then God saw, and God said, and then God saw. God requires us to do the same thing, to believe first and then we'll see. But you keep believing, you keep speaking it, you keep saying it and believing it. Choose to believe. Just to choose to believe the Word of God because what the devil wants to do to all of us every day is get you to doubt that this is the Word of God. He wants you to doubt that, oh, it's just a book written by some old ancient men, and he'll try to put doubt in your mind and give you confusion and just make you think, oh, this is just a religious exercise, and this is, these are just religious words, just like the Book of Buddha and the Book of Confucius and all that. Wrong This is the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit. It is our only weapon of war. And that ship you saw at the beginning of this slide presentation is a tremendous weapon of war. And that's what you are in the hands of an almighty God. And you using your little bitty tongue, a little bitty ship's wheel, And it was small. I saw it. I put my hands on it. Little bitty wheel. That's your tongue. And it steers that tremendous ship. That's your life. And God wants to use you for his service and for his glory. And how's he going to use you? By you speaking the word of God. By you declaring the word of God. By you declaring his promises and holding on to them and not quitting, not giving up when a little bit of trouble comes your way. And when you get into serious situations, and listen, all of us, you're going you're gonna to be confronted with serious situations sometime, someplace in your life. And it's going to be a life or death thing. So how, what are you going to do? Are you going to be like the children of Israel and throw up your hands? Let's go back to Egypt. You can't. Don't. Don't even think about it. And if you are thinking about it, please come talk to me. I'll give you a testimony that will enlighten you. Something real that happened in my life, in my wife's life. And except for the grace of God and the mercy of God, we would not be here. So Moses interceded for the people and he prayed to God. Thank God that some people have faith even when others don't. And you know what? There are people that can have faith for you and pray for you even if you don't. You want me to give you an example? I have a question to ask you. Did Lazarus have to have faith to be raised from the dead? Lazarus didn't have any faith to be raised from the dead, believe me. So you don't, and besides that, all you need is a little bit of faith. You don't have to have perfect faith or 100% faith. Jesus said, if you have faith as a what? A grain of mustard seed. And one time I think I shared something like that with the church. But I think it was a turnip seed. <laughs> but it was still little, right? That's all you need to have. So just have it. Say, Lord, I've got faith as a grain of a turnip seed or a mustard seed or whatever. I've got that much. And keep speaking, because speaking is an act of faith. Is that not true? And God said, and God saw. And if you will speak the word of God, and keep speaking it, and believing, and having faith as a grain of mustard seed, then you will see the glory of God. You will see it. You will see real miracles in your life, and in your family, and in your children, and in your situations, in your trouble, in your problems. You'll see because the power of death and life, hallelujah, is in the tongue. So be encouraged, brothers and sisters. But I want to show you here, and I'm glad that Moses interceded for the children of Israel because God wanted to kill them. He wanted to destroy them all. And Moses had a conference with the Lord, and he said, uh, Now what are all these heathen people going to say, when they know you delivered them out of Egypt in a great and mighty way, you destroyed the army of Egypt, you brought them through the Red Sea in a miraculous way, and what are all these heathen nations going to say if you kill them all now? And so God listened to Moses' prayer and his intercession for them. But then we read on down, and I want to tell you, complaining and murmuring And wanting to go back to Egypt will incur God's anger and wrath upon you. And let me just say this respectfully and encourage you, don't make God mad. Can we make him mad? Yeah, we can. I'm sure that I have. And I'm thankful for his mercy and grace. The mercy of the Lord endures forever. And I'm thankful for that. But the Lord told Moses to tell him, I've, I've pardoned, their, I've forgiven their sin. But you know what? Sin still has consequences, doesn't it? When we sin against God, we still have their consequences. Your sin, what you do, doesn't just affect you, it affects other people. And uh, remember when David sinned against God and he. Uh, took Bathsheba, and God forgave him of that sin. You know, if you look at that situation in the life of David, David broke five of the Ten Commandments in a few days. And, uh, and God forgave him. You know what? That shows the mercy and forgiveness of God. But you know what God said? He told Nathan to go tell him, and God told David, You have given great occasion to the enemy. Be careful what you do in your life and your sins. Don't just affect you, that affects your family. Uh, believe me, your sin, no matter what it is, affects your family, those that love you, other people around you. It affects the church. And that's why God says, Put some sins, put them out of the church. That's not an easy thing to do. And that's why I encourage you to pray for Joel and pray for whoever speaks up here, Nathan or Reed or uh, uh, Jason, whoever speaking, pray for them because it's hard to bring forth the Word of God uh, many times and there's a lot of opposition. So, But it's hard to put somebody out of the church. And Pastor Joel has a great responsibility to maintain the integrity in this place as a house of prayer. And so that's the will of God uh, to put the sin out. So, but David gave great occasion to the enemy. And not only that, it brought consequences And God said, because of this, and listen to this consequence, the sword shall never depart from your house. And that's been the history of the nation of Israel. They have always had to fight, and they still do to this day. So just remember that our sin has consequences. Your sin has consequences. My sin has consequences. And so... That's why we need to choose the fear of the Lord and walk in the fear of the Lord and be in the fear of the Lord every day because the fear of the Lord leads to life and whoever has it will live satisfied and shall not be visited with evil. And the fear of the Lord will keep you from sinning. If you really fear the Lord and the consequences of sin, you won't won't get involved in that pornography. You won't commit adultery. You won't commit fornication. You won't do those things that are abomination to God. You won't uh, be covetous and other sins like that in your life. Now let's read on down here. Um, God forgave their sin, but there were consequences. And so Moses interceded for the children of Israel, but God told Moses, you go back and tell them, and let's, let's read verse 28 of chapter 14. God said, Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, As you have spoken into my ears, so will I do to you. You know what? God is listening to what you say. Every word. Every idle word you're going to give an account of in the day of judgment. And so as we speak into God's ears, that's what we're going to get. That's what's going to happen to us. As you've spoken into my ears, so will I do to you, says the Lord. And so you know what they, that they did. They got exactly what they spoke. The ten spies that gave an evil report stirred up the people with fear you know what? They died by the plague. Not not long after they came back and gave that report. And a whole generation their descendants, their children, their sons and daughters, their wives, they died. They didn't go to, they didn't inherit the promised land because of what they spoke and their actions of believing the evil report and not believing what the Lord said. And so it's very important that we speak the word of God and say, no, let us go up at once and conquer the land, for we're well able to do it. So what we speak into God's ears, that's what we're going to get. And so, and just remember this as, uh, as you go through your life, We and this is a whole other message, but you can speak negative things over yourself or over other people. Even in passing, uh, we speak curses over ourselves sometimes. God wants us to speak blessings, speak edification, speak to edify and upbuild one another and each other. But Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants to, us to use our tongues for evil and to tear down. But like God told Jeremiah, I put my words in your mouth over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out. When you root something out, it's gone. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, and to build and to plant. And God wants us to build and to plant with the word of God being spoken out, out of our mouths. And watch what we say out of our mouths, because what we say is what we're going to get. And so as we close, and I hope it's been an encouragement to you to speak the word of God. And uh Speak it over and over in the mornings. I am a doer of the word of God. Greater is he that in me than he that's in the world. I am an overcomer and I overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony and love not my life unto the death. God wants us to speak the word of God because the word of God is powerful, sharper than any two edged sword. And that helm, that tongue of ours will ultimately decide our lives our fortunes, and our destinies. So as we close this morning, let's remember that and go forth and take that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and wield it against every evil thing that comes against us. In Jesus' name.
2: May God's people all over the earth hear the word of the Lord and believe it. And may you in this place hear the word of the Lord and believe it. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance unto you and grant you his peace through Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. Go in peace. If you need prayer this morning, we have two lovely ladies up here who would love to pray with you.